Good morning. We want to welcome everyone here this morning. We also want to extend the welcome to everyone who's watching us via telecast or listening to us via radio. And we also want to welcome everyone who's here for the very first time. So welcome to College Mennonite Church this morning. And I want to invite you to join me to call to worship. It's in your bulletin. Praise God from the heavens. Praise God in the heights. Praise God, all you angels. Praise God, all you heavenly hosts. Praise God, sun and moon. Praise God, all you shining stars. Praise God, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let all praise the name of God who commanded and they were created. Hallelujah. Praise God. I invite you to turn in your hymnal worship book to number 46, I Sing the Mighty Power of God. And I invite you to stand as you are able. Number 46.
Continuing in the hymnal worship book, number 55, Cantemos al Señor. We will sing alternate Spanish-English, Spanish-English in the verses. Before the prayers, I have a, a few announcements. So as we pray, we keep these in mind. Liz Hoover, as she undergoes rehab, 
at the courtyard. Don Metzler-Smith, as he recovers from cellulitis of his leg. Don and Libby, as they both undergo rehab at Greencroft. And we shall also pray for Caleb and his family. Family of Edna Hunsberger, as they mourn her loss, mother of Gay Lehman, died Friday. Edna was also grandmother of Angie and great-grandmother to Alice and Cora. Visitation will be this coming Friday afternoon and evening in the Koinonia room, and her memorial service will be Saturday here at 11 in the morning. As we enter into prayer, I want us to think about these words. It's in the book of John, 1 John. You don't need to look it up. I'll read it here. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked him for. So join me in prayer. Father, thank you for your love, your compassion, and your mercy. We thank you, Christ, for forgiving us of our sins. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for empowering us to live out the life you call us to live. I bring before you these families that I have already mentioned. Lord, I pray that you would bless each one of them, that you would have compassion on them, that you would minister according to their needs. Lord, I also present to you our nation as there's a multitude of division, needs and guidance. Guide Washington, Lord. Guide each person in authority and power. Father, we pray for our community that you will help us, CMCers, reach and touch this community, walk with them, listen to them, show them the love and kindness and grace of Jesus Christ our Lord. Bless this congregation as it moves in different directions, the different ministries in this community. Bless this campus, Goshen College, the administration team there. We need you, Lord, and we look to you for your mercy and your grace. Bless your people, I ask in Christ's name. And we say, amen. I invite the children to come up to the circle at this time. And as they come, I invite everyone else to turn in the green Sing the Journey book to number 44, The Love of God. Number 44 in Sing the Journey.
Wow, you all made it here through the snow. Do you think there might be a bunch of people who didn't make it here through the snow this morning? How about you look up there at Brooks? He's going to wave at you up there. You see him? And up there are the cameras. Can you wave and say, hi, everybody who didn't make it today? (laughs) Yeah, we are so glad that when people aren't able to get here through the snow or because of other things going on, they can watch online or at Greencroft or listen on the radio. So I'm thinking today of all the people who aren't able to be here too, and I'm very glad you're here. Yes, this is the perfect day to go sledding and then drink hot cocoa, isn't it? I agree. I think that might be what we have to do later today at our house, too. Well, I have a question today. Who are some people who know you really, really, really well? Can you think of anyone who knows you really well? Yeah. Yes, your twin brother knows you very well, doesn't he? Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Who else? Yeah. Elliot knows you really well. Yeah, so sometimes our siblings know us really well, and sometimes our friends know us really well. Anyone else that knows you really, really well? Yeah. Yourself. Yeah, it's good to know yourself really well. Your grandma. Your uncle. Your mom. Your grandpa. Your parents. Did you have someone? So, yeah, we're kind of naming a lot of good categories of people, right? Our parents, our siblings, our grandparents and relatives and friends. All of these people know us really, really, really well. Who do you think knows you the best? Yeah? God. You think God might know you the best? What do you think? You think you might know yourself the best? Well, I have an idea. We're going to read something, okay? This is a prayer from Scripture, and it's found in Psalm 139. For it was you who formed my inward parts. What are your inward parts? Yeah, like your organs, all those things on your insides. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me when none of them as yet existed. How weighty to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast the sum of them. I try to count them. They are more than the sand. I come to the end. I am still with you. So who do you think that writer is praying to? Yeah. God. Yeah, this is a, yeah, this is a prayer to God, isn't it? And I, I think this, this writer is talking about someone who knows him very, very well. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Mary and Joseph knew God very well, too, didn't they? And God knew them very well. 
So we've talked about how God is so big. That song we just sang, we, talked to, we sang about how if the oceans were made of ink and all of the sky was paper, parchment, um, then to write about God's love and how big God's love is would drain the oceans dry. There'd be no more left in them. That's how much God loves us. That's how big God is. But also, God knows us really, really personal. So God's big, 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 and also knows us in a very close way. So God knows your thoughts, which sometimes is a little scary. And God knows all about your innards, God knows all of that. I have a question. When something hurts, how do you think God feels about that? Sad. Sad. Yeah, when we hurt, God hurts with us. You know, God created us good, and sometimes things that don't feel good happen to our good bodies. We might get sick or break a bone, or need to have surgery. Yeah, has that happened to you? It happened to your grandma. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those things happen. Some of those are forever things, like my eyes started getting worse when I was seven or eight, and they're, they're never going to get fixed. I mean, I'm always going to have to use glasses or contacts. That's a forever thing that happened to my body, right? And when these things happen to our bodies, how do you think God feels? Sad. Yeah, I think God hurts with us. God hurts for us. Because even though God is very, very big, like those stars we made last week with our bodies, God also cares about us very personally and very deeply. Now, do you know that you can pray with this body that God made? How do we often pray? <laughs> do we pray with words a lot? Yeah. Well, on Wednesday night at church, each table at our meal um, created motions for part of that prayer that I read you just a little bit ago. And now we are going to watch that. Brooks videotaped one to three people from each table um, doing those motions together. So we're going to watch it, and I will read the words uh, just so that it's not complete silence on the radio. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me. When none of them as yet existed. How weighty to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. I try to count them. They are more than the sand. 
I come to the end, I am still with you. We're going to learn just the first part of this. So stand up with me. And we'll start by raising our arms up. For it was you who formed my inward substance. Can you try that? For it was you who formed my inward substance. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Okay? Can we have everyone try that? You can sit or stand, whatever works best for you. All right. For it was you who formed my inward substance. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. All right, let's try that again with words, and then we'll try it without words. For it was you who formed my inward substance. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Now let's do it without words, okay? Amen. Grab your worship bags and go back to your seats. And let us sing those words in Sing the Journey, number 89. I was there to hear your morning cry. And the song takes us through all the parts of our lives that God is always with us.
Our team leader, Phil Waite, will be sharing the scriptures this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for our brother, Phil. Let us hear as you speak to us through him. In Christ, amen. The grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Our scripture this morning is found in Psalm 139, and we've already heard it a number of times this morning, but I'm going to read it again. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. The word of the Lord. This Sunday begins a series, several months, where we will be addressing as a congregation a significant theological issue, an issue that has been controversial in the church for hundreds of years, if you will. It's one I've struggled with personally through most of my adult life. I believe, this is going to be ambitious, I believe that Christians in the West, for sure, in Europe and North America, have abandoned traditional theological commitments and that the abandonment of those commitments has had devastating impacts on the world in which we live. That's ambitious. And we're not going to unpack all of that this morning, but we're going to begin. The issue at hand, I believe, is the way that Christians have come to speak our theology, if you will, our God words, our theologos, our God words, about the relationship between the creator and the creation. Over time, over hundreds of years, really beginning in the late Middle Ages, say uh, 1200s, 1300s, 1400s, and then continuing on through the Reformation, Christians have come to adopt a belief, an understanding about creation that's inconsistent with the biblical witness and inconsistent with Christian teaching before that time, that is before the year, say, 1200 we have come to so imbibe, if you will, to drink deeply from the idea that creation is so depraved, that our bodies are so depraved, that we cannot in our current state know and love 
God. We have come to believe, in contrast to the biblical witness, that creation, and even we ourselves, cannot give testimony by who we are to the goodness of our Creator. The implications for this are disturbing and astonishing, and we will explore these again over the coming months. But I want to begin to address this theological problem, this Godward problem, this Theologos problem, by focusing on our bodies. Now, if I'm not mistaken, as I look out here this morning, each one of you has a body. Correct me if I'm wrong. And I believe, because of what science teaches me, that each of you was born. Is that correct? Yeah, each of you was born. In contrast to what your enemies might say, none of you was hatched. But even if you were, you would still have a body. Chickens are hatched, and they have bodies. And each of us has a body. Now, each of us has bodies that that aren't perfect. Um, I think, anybody have a perfect body? Anybody perfect? What does that mean, anyway? What does a perfect body mean? Anybody have a perfect mind? It's true that for most of us, our, our mental capacity, our intellectual capacity, our physical capacity peaks at best at the age of 30. My shoulder has been sore this week. It really has. The great mathematical award, the Fielding Award, I don't think has ever been won by anybody over the age of 35. Because it requires a mind so linguistically nimble, so capable of new ideas and fresh thinking, that once you hit age 35, you can't do it anymore. You can't do the kind of thinking required. You're sort of retired to a tenure position in an Ivy League institution teaching others, but as far as research goes, your career is over with at the age of 35. You thought it was bad in professional sports. Mathematics is worse. So for those of us who take comfort in the fact that, well, our physically our bodies may fail us, but our minds will still be, will still be worth something, I don't know if even that's true. And our bodies are going to ultimately fail us, and we are going to die. We know this is true. But yet, we heard the words of the psalmist again just now. We are, each one of us, fearfully and wonderfully made intricately woven in the depths of the earth. The psalmist says, that I know your works are wonderful, that I know very well. And my concern is that we don't know that very well anymore. 
that we have lost the reverence for creation, that we have lost the reverence for our bodies as being something created by God. And this is a problem. There's a new, uh, I, I, read, I think as I read it or heard an interview with a man by the name of Robert Alter. Robert Alter is a Hebrew, a biblical scholar of the Hebrew Bible and teaches at, uh, at Berkeley, UC Berkeley in California. And he's recently written a groundbreaking new translate. He didn't write it, he translated it. A groundbreaking new translation of the Hebrew Bible. And he's trying to get at the essence of the text. So much of our English translation traditions, whether they be rooted in the Jewish tradition or the Christian tradition, uh, emphasize uh, aesthetics and flowery, flowery, flowery language and lose the earthiness of Scripture, in particular, the Hebrew Bible. And one word in particular is crucial to him in his translation, and that is the Hebrew word nephesh, either N-E-F-E-S-H, if you want to transliterate, or transliterated, or my preference, for obvious reasons, N-E-P-H, because I like P-H, I like that combination, N-E-P-H-E-S-H, nephesh. A word translated in our tradition as soul, as soul. And Alter says, that's a terrible translation uh, of, of the Hebrew meaning. And I would say maybe that's not such a bad translation of the Hebrew meaning, but maybe our, our understanding of the word soul needs to shift to be more biblical. You see, we have come to believe that a soul is kind of a disembodied essence of a person. And the essence, the real who, the real us, the real who we are isn't our bodies, has nothing to do with our bodies. The real us is this ephemeral essence that will ultimately be redeemed from our broken, frail bodies. I mean, I, I think many of us, many people in the West would believe that this is sort of basic Christian teaching, but it's not. It's heresy. It's wrong. It's not biblical in any way, shape, or form. And so Alter tries to correct this by bringing back bringing the soul, if you will, back to the body. A soul is, in the Hebrew Bible, a whole person. A whole person. The substance of who they are, and that substance means a body. A body, a flesh and blood and bone, physical body. One cannot separate the soul from the body in the biblical mind. You can't do it. 
And when we speak of somebody dying in our time, even within the church, even in a tradition, even in traditions that say week after week after week, when they say the creed, I believe in the resurrection of the body, they speak of the soul as being some kind of disembodied ephemeral essence that departs the body at the time of death. We say at a visitation, well, that's not really them when we look at a body. The Bible teaches, yes, it is them. They were fearfully and wonderfully made. That is the body that God made for them. And God created it good. So Robert Alter wants to bring us back to a biblical understanding of soul. What do you suppose all of this means? What do you suppose all this means? Well, the good news is that the practices that were put in place in our tradition, our biblical tradition, have not entirely died out. Just over that way, and I'm pointing in the right direction, I'm proud to say, is Goshen Hospital. I mean, just a few hundred feet from here, I haven't counted, but I think that's right, a few hundred feet from here is Goshen Hospital. A hospital! Now, the point of a hospital, in case you didn't know, is to show hospitality to those whose bodies have something wrong with them, those whose bodies are in need of healing. And the tradition of hospitals came from the early Christians because they believed that bodies are fearfully and wonderfully made and ought to be cared for. And so we still practice this. We still practice a love and care for the body as Christians. We still believe that this matters. The body matters. But we've abandoned, we've abandoned the understanding that creation matters, that it is at some level good. And at some level, yes, yes, it's not perfect, yes, Sin has entered the world, but at some level, it can cry out in praise to its creator just by being creation. That we can, just by being bodies, reflect the image of God and the goodness of our creator. We still, at some level, practice that, even as we have intellectually, in our thought and our speech, abandoned that. So is it any wonder, is it any wonder that where there is a void, where we don't have anything affirmative to say about creation, others have stepped into the void? Exploitative uh, forms of human economics who believe creation is nothing more than some kind of inert resource for us to exploit for our economic gain. So we've abandoned that. So whatever, yeah, that's fine, because we don't really think much of creation anymore anyway. We think it's depraved. So yeah, if you want to do that, that's fine. Or 
Science. We've said science, whatever, have at it. We, whatever you think is right, science, you go right ahead. Secularism. New uh, form, forms of, of new age thought that try to re reclaim a sense of a sanctity of creation and show reverence for it, however clumsy their efforts might be. We've, ab we've abandoned that to them. We've said, you can have it. You can have creation. We don't think anything of it anymore. We are just souls waiting for us to be, our bodies to be redeemed from, from our, this, this physical mass that we are, this collection of atoms. That's heresy. That's not our tradition. That's not Christian thought. Now, you might disagree with me in terms of my affirmation of creation, but you must understand that you have to wrestle with a tradition that says otherwise. Not me. It's not me who says this. It is our tradition that says God created it and it was, you know the answer. What was it? It was good. And it is still good. And we can look in the world around us on this beautiful snow-covered morning. We can look around and we can say, isn't that beautiful? This morning gives glory to the one who created heavens and earth. Praise God. We can say that. The implications for what, for, for what this, uh, implications this has for how we live and what this means in our world, in the real world, in which we live, is what is our purpose? What is our purpose? What is our destiny? In Greek, what is our, tell us, where is the end? Where are we going? What is it? Well, if we believe that our destiny is some kind of disembodied existence, then this world doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how I treat my own body. It doesn't matter how I treat other people's bodies, provided that I help them get to that other disembodied existence. It doesn't matter how I treat creation. I can abandon it, if you will. But if I believe that, that my body, at some in some sense, is sacred, made in the image of God, created by God, fearfully and wonderfully made, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, if I believe that my body at a certain level is sacred and it's going to change how I treat it, and I believe that each of your bodies is sacred, and that it is my Christian obligation to treat your bodies with reverence and respect your physical embodiment. And it is my obligation as a Christian to see the earth and to view the earth with reverence, to view creation, to view all creation with reverence and to honor it and to see it at some level as sacred, reflecting the glory of the one who created it. You see, this is a very different way of living and being in the world.
I'm going to close this opening, this opening sermon in this series with an observation that I think is crucial. I was visiting with a friend about these matters, a pastor friend, and he said, yeah, you know, when I talk to my Lutheran friends about Anabaptism, they say, well, what do you do with sin and, de- and human depravity? It is impossible in our view for a person to respond by faith in God's grace. That's why we baptize infants. They're saved through the church, through their infant baptisms. As Mennonites, we have a theological heritage that says, yes, we can respond to God's grace. When the Apostle Paul speaks in Romans 8, the whole creation groans, even we ourselves long for the redemption of what? Those of you who memorize scripture, what? Our bodies. The redemption of our bodies. Now, this is Paul. This is the New Testament. We long for not escape from our bodies, but for our bodies to be redeemed. And I long not only for my body to be redeemed, but for your bodies to be redeemed, and for our body, the body of Christ, to be redeemed. And I long to serve the purposes of God in this world that God has made. Amen. Let our bodies, souls, minds, hearts all cry out in joy of the God's love. Turn in your hymnal worship books to number 51. Let the whole creation cry, and I invite you to stand in body or in spirit as we sing.
I'm Rachel Nafziger Hartzler, not Madeline Maldonado, as is announced. She uh, was not feeling well today, so I'm filling in for her to talk about the CMC Mennonite Disaster Service project in Puerto Rico that uh, a number of us from College Church participated in. And I invite all those that are here, Eric and Nellie, is, um, those that went on the trip to come and stand with me, uh, if you would, please, uh, as we're telling the story. And David, yes, David and Madeline were with us, so you can come up here and they can see your faces. Uh, on the screen are pictures of the work that we did and a little bit more of the uh, environment where we worked and played just a bit. So two groups from CMC went on these Mennonite Disaster Service projects um, in October, from October 13 to 20. A group of college students went, and then from 20, uh, October 20 to 27, a group of high school students and Eric Zare and I went as, as uh, chaperones for that group. Um, David and Madeline Maldonado did the planning for this uh, event uh, from this end, and it is an MDS project that we were working with. So working with people in Puerto Rico already working with MDS. The group included Michael Aspenwall, uh, Talia Miller, Vanessa Navarro, uh, Erica Ewing, and Sandra McMasters from the college group, and the high school group was Jovan and Eric Mendez and Nellie Robles and Eric and myself. We served in Utuado, Puerto Rico. Uh, Utuado is in the western half of Puerto Rico. Um, Ibanito, which many of you are familiar with, is in the eastern half in the mountains, and, and Utuado in the western half of the mountains. So we went up above Utuado, it was about a five mile drive as I recall, and uh, there uh, is a community of an extended family uh, who were greatly, uh, in, uh, suffered great damage in the Hurricane Maria from uh, September of 2017. So we went uh, 13 months later and there was still a lot of work to do in this place. So this is a community with a Mennonite church and the Mennonite church pastor, Deborah uh, Mal, um, Montalvo, and her extended family. So there are five homes there of relatives and the, um, the church building, which was destroyed in the hurricane. Two of the other houses were totally destroyed and uh, two others lost the roofs. They were tin roofs that came off during the hurricane and one has been already replaced with concrete. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. The only house that wasn't damaged was the house of the parents of this group and they had a concrete roof. And so that's the goal, to have concrete roofs on these, um, these homes. 
Um, <clears throat> so just to, to give you a picture, in addition to the ones that are on the screen of the community, <clears throat> and, and right now coming up will be uh, pictures of the, uh, the driveway that, or little road that's on the top of the mountain peak. So if you think of the, the community living on this mountain peak where there's drop-offs on both sides of the road, someplace there's enough space to build half of a house and the second half of the house is on stilts uh, where the mountain begins to slope down. Um, our physical tasks um, there included cleaning up debris. Here you see that right now. <clears throat> Unloading and putting in place cement, block, uh, cement blocks to build the second home. The first home that is being painted on this picture um, is, was nearly complete, and I think the family is in this home now. This is the pastor's family home that is adjacent to the church building. So it, our tasks included the cement blocks, laying tile floor in this building, and you'll soon see in this home, soon see pictures of that, and painting the home inside and out. Photos uh, are going fast right now, but they are available in the South Corridor to look at and read the captions if you would like to do that. <clears throat> All of the work was uh, led by David Conrad, who was the site manager, an MDS volunteer also. FEMA is paying the expenses of rebuilding, uh, paying some expenses, a portion, of rebuilding these homes, and MDS is providing the balance of the cost of, of building materials, and then MDS is also providing the volunteers to do the work. So in summary, I would say we provided a little bit of help, and we had legartillos, as you see right now, uh, joining us. Um, we provided a little bit of help, and secondly, we were changed. In giving, we receive more than we give, and the young people all agreed with this also. That uh, last picture was in our dining room, which is a tacked-on structure on one of the houses that had collapsed during the hurricane, but it worked well for our dining room. The other uh, summary point I would make is that we participated in the church's response to disaster, as many as you have also done. And in that participation of the work of the church, we also are changed and we are blessed as we uh, attempt to bless others. And you are all invited to participate in that project because there are still some funds needed to uh, pay for the expenses uh, that were incurred by our traveling there. MDS did pay for some of the expenses, but uh, the College Church MDS committee is uh, paying the balance and there is a need for more funds there. So thank you and um, bless you as you have blessed us 
in the going to Puerto Rico to serve. This time we will give from our embodied lives back to what God has given us through our tithes and offerings as an act of worship. I invite you to come forward and place your gift in the offering basket or to place it in the offering plate as the ushers come by.
Please join me in prayer. Gracious God, we give you thanks. You have created us. You have made us in your image. We thank you that you have not abandoned us to sin and death, but sent your son Jesus into the world to redeem us, to save us. We thank you for the promise of new life we have in Jesus. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. Mary Oyer's hymnology class told me that the root for the word goodbye is God be with you till we meet again. So when you say goodbye, think of it as a blessing. Number 430 in the hymnal worship book is God be with you till we meet again. few announcements, so you might want to sit a minute. I invite everyone to look at your bulletin. There's some very important information there and opportunities following worship. Also, there are a variety of classes during second hour that you can engage in. The life of our congregation continues throughout the week in you don't want to miss out, and all those announcements are in your bulletin. 
While uh, Rachel was showing that PowerPoint, there was a photo there where I'm seated and there's six plates in front of me. I don't know if you saw that. That's fake news. <laughs> John 14, verse 27. Peace I leave you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. As you go on to hug your mugs, you got your name tags on? If you don't, you can borrow mine. All right? So God bless you. Extend peace and welcome as you go throughout your day. Blessings to you. Amen.